0: You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans, for Ohio State fans, on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans, for Ohio State fans, from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, September 18th. And I'm here to recap number 3 Ohio State's 77-21 demolition of the Toledo Rockets last night in the horseshoe. The Buckeye offense tallied its second-highest single-game yardage total in school history, amassing 763 yards of total offense against what I thought was a pretty good Toledo Rocket defense. C.J. Stroud was a surgeon again last night, completing 22 of 27 pass attempts for 367 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions in only three quarters. And Ryan Day showed us just about everything in his playbook, including several deep throws to his tight end, Cade Stover, a touchdown run in the red zone out of the eye formation with three tight ends. It's been a while since we've seen that. A jet sweep to Mayan Williams. And a fullback die for a touchdown in the third quarter by Mitch Rossi. I mean, I think you have to go all the way back to the Cooper era to see a play like that. And of course, there were all the usual fireworks in the passing game from the Ohio State receivers who took turns dazzling us with near impossible catches, uh, especially along the sidelines. Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming, and even Cade Stover all made spectacular grabs. Again, these were along the sidelines. Harrison Jr. had two such catches that both went for touchdowns, one in the corner of the end zone for his first TD of the night, and then the other in the back of the end zone to put Ohio State up 35-14 in the second quarter. Harrison got both feet down each time. Look, I, I want to see Harrison do it against better competition. I want to see him do it, you know, consistently over, you know, five, six, seven game stretch. But right now, Marvin Harrison Jr. looks about as good as any receiver to play at Ohio State. I don't even think that's hyperbole. Now, the Buckeye defense gave up a couple of big plays in the passing game to Toledo quarterback Daquan Finn, who, by the way, looked like a mini version of Michael Vick. I was very impressed by Finn. Finn threw a 50-yard touchdown pass on the run to Thomas Zeros in the first quarter and a 40-yard touchdown pass to Jerwan Newton in the third quarter. But outside of those plays, I thought the Buckeye defense was Pretty good, limiting the Toledo offense to 307 yards of total offense, forcing two turnovers, registering nine tackles for loss, three sacks, you know, despite being down three starters, including Mike Hall, Josh Proctor, and Tanner McAllister, who, by the way, Ryan dead said Ryan Day said all would have played if needed. Hall Proctor and McAllister were not listed on the availability report but did not play out of what Ryan Day said was out of a, an abundance of caution, basically. He said that in the postgame. So overall, I thought it was a good night for, I suppose, a shorthanded Ohio State defense facing a pretty dynamic player in Daquan Finn. On these postgame pods, I normally like to tick down my list of things I liked and I didn't like, but after a 56-point win over what I still think is a pretty good MAC opponent, I mean... I think Toledo's probably better than six or seven Big Ten teams, to be honest. But after a, you know, a convincing 56-point win over, you know, over a pretty good opponent, I think I'm just going to mention a few things that really stood out to me, and then I will let you all go about the rest of your Sunday. Now, I said in a preview pod on Tuesday that I thought Ohio State did not look like a fully formed national championship contender yet. Last night... I thought the Buckeyes finally looked like one. It was the first time all season they executed at an extremely high level in all facets for the better part of four quarters. There were uh, you know, a couple of hiccups that I mentioned on defense, the, the two long pass plays uh, for touchdowns in, in particular. But I'm much more inclined to chalk plays like that up to a pretty unique athlete in Daquan Finn. He also had a pretty awesome touchdown run. I'm much more inclined to chalk that up to an exceptional athlete in Finn, just making plays. And and not, you know, to anything that's you know wrong uh, with the Ohio State defense. I don't think Ohio State's going to face another athlete like Finn at the quarterback position for the remainder of the regular season. I mean, I don't even think JJ McCarthy at Michigan has quite the level of athleticism that Finn brings to the table. Now Ryan Day said in the post game press conference they had a really good week of practice and they emphasized great execution throughout the week and I think that's exactly what we saw last night I think you know the the best evidence of that was Ohio State committing only one penalty for five yards I believe it was a false start well after the outcome in this game had been decided High State came into last night ranked one in the one hundreds. And penalty yardage. So we saw a lot of great execution, not a, not a lot of mistakes. They'd really cut down on the penalties, which is something I said in the preview pod I wanted them to see or that I wanted them to do. So much better execution out of Ohio State yesterday. They, to me, for the first time this season, look like a fully formed or mostly fully formed title contender. It was good to see Jackson Smith and Jigba and Julian Fleming back on the field last night. Neither of them were really needed as it turned out. Smith and Jigba finished with two catches for 33 yards, and I don't believe he played after halftime, again, out of an abundance of caution, as Day said. Fleming finished with 22 yards on three catches, but for two touchdowns. It was especially good to see Fleming contribute. It's been a long road for him, and hopefully he can stay healthy and finish out the rest of the season. Maybe this is a rhetorical question. I don't know. But is is Kate Stover turning into a good tight end? Three catches for 83 yards last night. I thought he blocked really well. On the season, Stover has eight receptions for 137 yards. He's averaging 17 yards a catch. I mean, coming into this season, a tight end was probably the only question mark on this offense. But right now, Stover looks like a player who might make an all Big Ten team. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I want to see him do it against better competition. But he looks way better than a converted linebacker and a player who's only supposed to be throwing blocks in this offense. He looks like he actually might be a legitimate weapon for this offense. I also thought last night was probably the best performance of the season so far by the offensive line. Now, I said it in the preview pod, Toledo brought a pretty good front seven into this game. They have a pair of solid defensive tackles in Deswan Johnson and Judge Culpepper and a good edge rusher in Jamal Hines. They came into the game number one in the country in defensive yards per play. Now, albeit against some pretty lousy competition. But last season, Toledo finished 13 the country in that category, defensive yards per play. Again, you know, we got a qualified. It was against largely a, against a max schedule. But my point is this was not an incompetent defensive front. Uh, That Ohio State faced last night, and the Ohio State offensive line completely dominated them. I mean, just really imposed their will on the Rockets. After the opening drive, when I thought Toledo actually really made Travion Henderson earn his yards, I thought the offensive line opened up just massive holes for Mayan Williams and Dallin Hayden. It didn't seem like either back was touched until three or four yards past the line of scrimmage, and C.J. Stroud had all the time he needed to operate in the pocket. All night long. So I thought it was a, a really, really good performance, both pass blocking and run blocking by the Ohio State offensive line. And I feel like they're just starting to scratch the surface as a unit. I think they're only going to get better. I was also happy to see a, an improved performance from several of the Ohio State reserves along the defensive line. I've been very critical of the second unit of the, of the defensive line. They just have not seemed to have much of an impact on the game. These uh, these first two weeks, uh, but last night, Javante Jean-Baptiste and Tyleek Williams were Ohio State's top-graded defenders. According to PFF, Jean-Baptiste finished with a grade of 92.1. He had four quarterback pressures, two sacks, and 23 snaps. Tyleek Williams finished with a grade of 90.7 and three pressures. You know, same deal here. I want to see these guys do it against better competition, and I want to see him do it with more consistency starting next week against Wisconsin, but it was good to see several players from that second unit of the defensive line making more of an impact in this game. I've been complaining all season about the limited touches for Travion Henderson, but after watching him limp off the field early in the first quarter after Ohio State's first touchdown drive, now I understand why the coaching staff has been so cautious with his workload it looked like Henderson sustained some sort of foot or ankle injury on the opening drive. I'm not actually sure how or when that happened because he looked totally fine after scoring on that seven-yard touchdown run. And I actually thought he looked great throughout that drive, giving the Buckeyes 19 really tough yards between the tackles on four carries, including, of course, the touchdown run. I don't know. Maybe he hurt his, his foot or his ankle in the touchdown celebration because, again, he looked fine to me coming off the field. I'm starting to get a little concerned, though about Henderson's durability long-term. And I don't know that Ryan Day will ever be able to lean on him in the same way he was able to lean on J.K. Dobbins or the same way that Urban Meyer was able to lean on Ezekiel Elliott and Carlos Hyde. I'm just not sure Henderson has the durability. Now, You know, Mayan Williams is a good, you know, second back. And I I like what I saw out of Dallin Hayden, though Hayden is only a true freshman and most of his production came against a tired Toledo defense at garbage time. But if Ohio State is going to win a championship this season, they're going to need big plays from Trevion Henderson, managing his workload and keeping him fresh and available for Ohio State's biggest moments. It looks like it's going to be a challenge moving forward for, for Ryan Day and Tony Alford. I'm starting also to feel mildly concerned about the Ohio State cornerbacks. It was not a great night for the Ohio State corners last night. Denzel Burke's PFF grade for coverage was 65. Now, that wasn't horrible. And he did actually have a very nice pass breakup on third down to force a Toledo punt last night. But he was outmuscled for a jump ball at the goal line by Jawan Newton for a 40-yard touchdown in the third quarter. You know, it's the second second week in a row Burke has been beat for a long pass play. Cam Brown was also beaten badly for a 50-yard touchdown pass on Toledo's first possession. And Brown's PFF grade for coverage was a pretty dismal 48.9. Ohio State's third corner, J.K. Johnson, he finished with a coverage grade of 55.3 and 29 snaps, according to PFF. You know, I don't know if I would call the Ohio State corners the weak link of this defense. I don't know if that's totally accurate. But right now, I wouldn't say that position group is a strength either. So I guess the good news is I'm not sure Ohio State is going to face an offense before maybe Maryland that can exploit the inconsistent play of that group. Michigan State might be able to give them some problems, but certainly Michigan's receivers will. My point is there are bigger tests coming down the line for the Ohio State corners. I think Tim Walton has some work to do with that unit before the Buckeyes get into the meat of the Big Ten schedule. Right now, they're just not good enough at that position. So the 2022 non-conference schedule is now in the books. And next Saturday, the season begins in earnest for the Buckeyes with their Big Ten opener against Wisconsin in the horseshoe. The early line on that game is Ohio State minus 18-18. The over-under is 56. The Badgers come into that matchup 2-1 with blowout wins over Illinois State and New Mexico State, but also a surprising home loss to Washington State in Madison last Saturday. I'm going to plan to have a much closer look at that game with Paige and Chad later this week. Until then, thanks so much for listening, and go Bucks! You've been listening to the South Stands, of Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.